land of loose lips viewers welcome this is the final chat of today today is the six set of features of loose lips chats so if anyone is new to it i'm ben random hello and uh, we do loose lips on a monday and a wednesday where we have anywhere between three to five guests per day discussing various interesting parts of their life things that they've overcome the ethos behind loose lips is to look to inspire and uh bring optimism especially during this time obviously what we're uh, all going through um it's good to be able to reflect on any of the positives that we might be able to get out of this but also from other people's journeys in in life through what they've managed to overcome so that's what loose lips that's what it's baseline is where we come in but we also want to do it in a fun cool and entertaining way so that's where all the chats have sort of gone in that direction uh, if you want to check any of the previous ones out then do get involved with our youtube channel which is pop cult chic you can find us on there i'm just waiting now uh, for our final guest of today who is a personal comedy favorite of mine um comedy performer goes by the name of paul foot majority of you will be familiar with him he's got such an iconic image about him a way about him a lot of you may have seen him on panel shows like never mind the buzzcocks but if you get opportunity to see him live that is where he is at his peak and at his best so just waiting for him to come on to the chat once he joins then we'll be able to take the conversation away shout out to uh, matthew james pickett in the group we're just waiting for Paul Foot to join now. Likewise, if anyone's got any questions, feel free to fire them over um, and I'll try interweave them into the chat with the man himself. I reckon what I might do, I'll let you know this, Matthew. What I'll do is I'll... Quickly log off, see where he is, give him a bell, and then I'll come back on. So feel free to join back on in the next couple of minutes. And then uh, obviously the interview will take place. Hello again, we'll see how we'll get on this time. I've just dropped him a message. Um, so he should be joining the chat. Hey, he's in the group. Good man, good man. Shout out Nick Star as well also. I'll do Paul. He's in the group. If you want to send me a request and we'll get rolling. Nice to see some heads coming through as well. Kelsby. Hello. If you send the request on the chat paul and then it should bring it up for me to be able to accept and then um it'll bring you through to my chat yeah <laughs> i know you're in the chat so what you need to do is if you on the instagram on the live link it should have a you might need to scroll back now to the top but it should say send a request to ben and then as soon as you send that request 
and then um, I can accept it my side. Here it comes. I can feel it. Shout out, Greg. Yes. Let's see if technology can align us. Hey, Paul. Hello, Ben. How are you getting on? I'm all right, thank you. Are you all right? I'm good. I'm good. It's um, obviously it's interesting times at the moment, but uh, I'm currently locked down with my cat. I think it's more weird for my cat. She's never seen me so much. So other than that, yeah, everything's all good. I didn't realise this was all going to be on the internet, like all this, all technical i thought it was just going to be you phone my phone at seven o'clock like a like a like a radio interview so i was waiting at seven and then then i realized nothing was happening so then i logged in and then it was ever so complicated well i i, I thought that um yeah when when i saw you weren't on i was like i wonder if you know that he's going to be through the through the good old world of instagram because i really like this format you see oh yes but i was going to do the interview well, is it an interview or just a chat? But I was going to do it's it. It's a chat. Doing some art, but I'm not sure I can do it while doing the art now. Cause I you can. You can. So, um, do you remember the singer, the lead singer of Limp Biscuit, Fred Durst? Oh, he's still there, Paul. A bit of technical difficulties. See if he comes back to us. Just loading at the moment. Obviously through the scenario. But through Instagram can be a bit difficult. We will come back. Who's Ted Goku? Respect. We'll get him back. We'll get him back. Have faith, people. Have faith. Radersley saying disturbances. Harmony will bring us back together. We will get back together. But thank you, everybody, for coming through. Uh, he's come back. Let's see if we can make it work this time. Hey, up, Paul. It cut off. It said poor connection. Was that, is, is, is it your well, Wi-Fi? Well, I thought we've always had a good connection, so I was surprised it said that. But, it's um, always good. It looks like it's a good one now. Oh, uh, yes. So... I'm going to be doing some art while I'm talking. Can I do art? Yeah, so that's, that, that's, that's, that's all good. So um, the lead singer of Limp Biscuit, Fred Durst, he he paints while he speaks. And so he's got his, his is it an easel? He's got his easel uh, like quite on the corner of the screen and then he's painting while he's talking to different people. It's therapeutic. Yeah, so sometimes if I'm doing like a radio interview in a, or... Um, like a press interview and they're very boring, I find something to be doing, like it could be some administrative task or cutting my toenails and they say things like, how did you start off doing comedy? <laughs> what happens if you get a heckler? Do you get nervous? And I think, oh Christ. So I have to find something to do while I'm doing it. Do you find, because, you know, over the amount of, your length of your career, the amount of interviews that you must have done, it must be quite cliche, a lot of the questions. Do you tend to find a lot of people just stand the generic ones and also might not have an interest in who you are as well? Uh, well, 
I find that sometimes they have the same old questions and that, you know, oh, how did you start, all that stuff. But even worse, sometimes they say, they say, um, oh, I want this to be a bit more interesting than the normal uh, interview, so I'm going to really mix it up. It's going to be really interesting. Then they ask the same boring questions again anyway, and then they, <laughs> they say things like, well, oh, if you were an animal, what animal would it be? And then I say, this is crazy, but you've never been asked this before. This is wild. And I say, I have to play along. And I say, oh, yeah, it's really wild. I've never been asked to say what animal I'd be. Oh, this is crazy. And, and if so uh, there's different ones like that, yes. I How do you find the world of interviews? Because, you know, when you, you're a regular touring comedian, so you must revisit a lot of the same places a lot of the, uh, similar festivals so do you tend to run out of things to say to certain, to the same sort of publications well yes i do tend to sometimes if i have a you know a particular show i'll know there's some funny things i can say about the show so they'll always say what's in your show and i'll have prepared things that i know that i can take from the show that are sort of funny to talk about as opposed to actually there's a difference between something that's funny to talk about and something that's funny in the show, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And also, going around different places, they always say, oh, you're coming to Stockton on Tees. Oh, what do you like about the Stockton on Tees audience? And of course, I mean, there's no difference to the audiences <laughs> around the world. You're in Melbourne. Oh, what do you think of the Melbourne crowds? And you just think, okay. And then you go all around like, and then they say, you're in Sydney. What do you think of the Sydney crowds? Oh, what are the Canberra crowds like? And it's just like, they're all lovely people, but it's not any fundamentally different you know in any different place uh but anyway it's a delight to talk to you because uh, this is fun because it's because i don't have to answer any of those questions and just have a laugh exactly well that's what loose lips is about is to just help people um drift away basically from the situation that we're in and oh, i want yeah. to share and spread a lot of positive light yes i like people to drift away as they're listening to me <laughs> <laughs> Am I echoing on yours? Oh, no, there's no echo, no echo, no echo. <laughs> See, that's no. the quickness that I've got to deal with. That's the quickness. Yeah, that's absolutely fine, absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. Yeah. So one, one of the uh, greatest moments that I got to spend with you was when you were performing in Leeds, and I really got to... <laughs> Just showing me a pain. Yeah, I'm me. Some, of the, some of this colour on. <laughs> Yeah, one of the one of the greatest moments was when I got to see your early form of what then went on to be a full show. So like a, a sort of, I wouldn't say sneak preview, but um, a working a working sort of project. Yes, that's but when then... I was doing the um uh, the uh, literal surrealism. I remember, and I did it in Leeds. Yeah, in your club. Yes. Yes, of course. Normally, I come to Leeds in about July every year. I'd normally see you there, but of course, I weren't this year because everything's been cancelled because the whole the world has been cancelled. <laughs> Some pause. Yes. But one of the things that I really loved about it, and um, one of the things I wanted to sort of speak about first is how much does a show develop from that working project to what actually ends up on the full show? Well, it's always evolving. I mean, uh, 
uh, I'm always taking things and his work uh, evolving and then um, it's sort of um, even when I start the show I might do the show for maybe 140 times it's always going to be different at the end of the beginning but then there'll be some things that don't change at all and other things that change a lot so it, it depends and and then there'll be things that get reused from a previous show into a do, different version. And, and often, I always find everything in my comedy always gets, there's always eventually comes to fruition. Like sometimes I'll have some idea and it just doesn't work and I go on stage and do it and it just doesn't. And then, and then it might be years later I work out, ah, oh, that's what it was. And it's sort of, I mean, one of my uh, bits is a bit about shy horses that went on the television and, it's one of the bits that a lot of people talk about and one of the most well-known bits. But that started off as a bit where I would just come on stage and talk about Shire Horses, the number is going down. <laughs> and I would do it at sort of new material nights. And it wasn't really um, worked out. And sometimes it would be sort of quite funny. But sometimes it would be a complete failure. You know, and so I remember sometimes people coming up at one time, people saying, oh, I don't know why you're doing that. But, you know, I'd, oh, I'd give that up. That doesn't work, you know. And then I remember, and then of course, then obviously they all worked out. And then I do also my secret shows. I do these kind of, they're like plays in which I play all the roles. And then so it's just like me just making up this big play thing based on what people are saying in the audience. And it's quite daring and sort of very um, improvisational. And there's something I do these, well, I used to before obviously the world entered. And my secret <laughs> shows, I would do them. Uh, you know, week in, week out, they're a staple and very popular. But I remember doing them years ago, about 13 years ago, and I hadn't quite worked it out. And it was just not really working. And then afterwards, this woman came up to me and said, how do you think that went? And I, I always sort of tried to be professional. So I sort of said, well, um, you know, it was a very nice audience and working on the idea. She said, to me, it was a disaster. <laughs> I didn't want to give anything away, you know, because in my head I was thinking it didn't work really at all. And she was saying, you really need to move on from that. That's a complete failure of an idea, you know. So uh, everything comes to fruition eventually. But how do you, how do you uh, maintain the discipline of it can come to fruition, so I'm going to keep trying it and it might not be ready for the audience, but that's the only domain to work on it. And how do you know when to let something go? Well, I suppose I've got better over the years, more experience at knowing sometimes when this just isn't working, forget it, you know. Uh, but I tend to know whether there's something behind it. And so uh, that's why my secret shows are very useful, because it does allow me to work on something um, and just do it occasionally, even though it doesn't really quite work. And just um, in a sort of low pressure environment until eventually I work out what it is. Um, and there are other things where I do them as secret shows, but then they go no further because they're just sort of, there's like an idea to it. It's just, it's never going to somehow go any further. And then other things where, where you know that it will come to a fruition. So it's an interesting process, the creative process. It's definitely not linear. That's what's so exciting mm. about it. Uh, it's never linear. One attempts to impose some sort of linearity on the creative process, because I think if one didn't, you would get nowhere. So you have to try to be linear, but being aware that it isn't really linear at all. 
kind of like, it's almost know. like having a bath, but with no sides. Well, yes, it's like that. Or having a shower, uh, but upside down. <laughs> yes. Um, how, how, how do you balance it when certain things that you try in these sort of shows, they may work as a longer form, but then how, you know, do you, you have to perform in a five or a 10 or a 15 minute setting? How, how do you, uh, how well, do you take what works well in a long form and still manage to um, maneuver into the short form, short form sets? I suppose I'm what you would call a long-form comedian. So Same. a lot of the things I do are long-form, and that's my... my Where, really, that's why the life... Of, where the, where the theatre shows are so exciting, because it does allow one to do the live-form. Nevertheless, of course, I'm quite capable of adapting to the short-form, and so there are some bits that will work very well, in isolation, short form, other bits that you can adapt and take bits of them and to work in short form and other bits that just wouldn't work in short form. And all comedians are different. There are some comedians um, who, if you, they will never really do the short form things. Mm. I mean, someone like Jordan Brooks, he has these shows that are just mad, sort of like a mad journey, where, which is, they're brilliant shows. And it's a mad journey where, it's all, but it's all about the journey. And the, he, he doesn't really perform in the short version. He doesn't, um, I don't think he does the sort of television gala five minute slots. It just doesn't really translate to that. So we're all different in the way that we work. Um, and uh, yes, I, I like to, I do enjoy the, the challenge of the short form. And I suppose when I was doing this, I was doing a TV show a few years ago in America and that really allowed me to really work on the short form and to realise how important that that is. So was that the stand-up competition one? The stand-up competition one. Yeah, so, um, yes, uh, so, uh, yes, I, I, I do enjoy the short form. In fact, um, because of this lockdown, um, it does allow me to work on a few more short form things because I've already written my new show and that's already written and ready to go. And um, so therefore I've been working on a few short form things and I've got the time for it. Are they um, completely standalone or do you think they can still piggyback into a longer form? Are you solely going into them as the, just the short form, 5, well, 10, 15 and done? I'm working on some short form things because I just think it's useful to have more things for those uh, sort of, I don't do many comedy clubs really, but sometimes if I'm doing one of those or one of those sort of cabaret nights when there's, they need something a bit shorter or, or a television thing when they need something shorter. But yes, of course, as you quite rightly point out, the process is not linear. And so therefore one m might end up finding that the thing you're working on as a short form thing ends up not working as a short form thing or does work as a short form thing, but nevertheless ends up as... Uh, as a long form thing, you know, that's how it really works. So that's uh, all part of the excitement, really. Do you enjoy the, do you enjoy the TV circuit, you know, the sort of restraints of having to do such a short space of time? Do you feel like it's great for exposure, but do you think 
do you think you can still capture who you are within like, that performance? Yes, I think so. It's a different animal. Uh, and sometimes they can be a bit stressful, these TV shows, the sort of everyone's got their moment to say their funny thing that they've prepared and you have to sort of say it as if you've just thought of it, but actually you've been like preparing it earlier. Most of it is really just great fun. I mean, something like um, eight out of 10 cats just countdown. It's just an opportunity to just do a load of funny stuff, you know, create some funny stuff and put it on the television. And they all sort of say, oh, what's your mascot, Paul? Or uh, what's your, you know, what, how, have you, how have you prepared to go on eight of 10 cats does countdown? It's an opportunity to basically say whatever you like. So, um, oh, I've prepared by, you know, and you can pull out a prop or pull out something you've written in a book or anything. So, yeah, they're great fun. It's an opportunity uh, to, for a lot more people than would normally see it, <laughs> to, um, to see one's work. I mean, you have to remember that if you go on a show like that, about 100 million times more people are going to see that than see the live shows, <laughs> unless you're <laughs> going around to very, very large arenas. Do you, um, in that domain, in that sort of environment, when I watch it, I see some comedians who are willing to sort of give up some of their better bits that they'd still do within the show? Yes, you can do. Um, because uh, you have to remember uh, that, I mean, it depends, you know, ultimately, I mean, if you perform something hilariously on the television, and millions of people really like it, but then it means it, means it makes it more difficult to perform live because everyone's heard it. That's a sort of good problem to have in a way. So yes, I mean, you have to balance the, the sort of risk reward and all that. But yes, I mean, uh, it's not always a bad thing to perform your best stuff on the television. After all, more people will see that than, than, uh, than the live show. Do you, would you then, face a weird sort of a scenario where if there are any hecklers it's because the heckling because they want to see <laughs> looks like shepherd's pie yes well i'm mixing this it's for uh it's for i've been um what's the word um not persecuted what's the word um commissioned that's the word commissioned <laughs> to do an artwork and there's some steps and they're in a sort of brownie color but i've already done the steps what i want is a little bit more yellowy brown but as you can tell it's, it's still too much brown, so I'm adding more yellow. So that's what's happening as we're talking. That's why I'm showing it occasionally so people can see the, the, more, the yellower... The evolution of it. The evolution, yes. So, yeah, um, I, yeah going back to that, is it, do you get sent to find people that come to a show and they're expecting something because they've seen it on telling? Can that be quite off-putting? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, no way it is in a fun way you always can almost sort of say you can't win because uh, <laughs> because uh, sometimes if you do the same material people will say i've had that before but often if you do if you do you do like a brand new fantastic show and people will come up and say oh you didn't do your shy horse pit oh you didn't do your whatever bit you know so uh, in fact more, more often it's quite rare actually that people complain they've heard the same thing before because people often just forget it anyway and they just enjoy it again or they've heard it before, but they say to all their friends, oh, you've got to hear this bit, we love this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's more that people want to hear the same thing over and over again, really. That's amazing. 
How have you been adapting in lockdown? I noticed that um, comedians like Ross Noble at 11 o'clock every morning, he's doing a game show. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't seen it. Yes, I know people have adapted a bit. And then, did I notice that you were doing like a, a personal Zoom gig for people? Oh, I don't know, was I? I don't think so. I, I have agreed to do one to, as an experiment. Maybe they've obviously got hot off the press telling everyone about it. I think I only confirmed that about a day ago. Yes, I'm going to do one of these Zoom gigs to see what it's like. And I might even do them to my own uh, sort of connoisseur fan base, if it goes well. Um, so, yes, I'm doing that. I'm doing a lot of social media and things like that. I'm also aware of the idea that we are in a global crisis and that it's not about me and, and I, don't, I don't want to just perform something in that sort of desperate way of, oh, I'm a performer, I have to go on stage. Oh my God, the show must go on. I mean, you know, the show must go on, but maybe the show doesn't have to go on. So I don't know. Um, so I, I'm going to perform, see what it's like. But ultimately, let's not reinvent the wheel. Ultimately, um, you know, it works when you're in front of a live audience. Yes. And, and so, yes, I'm going to adapt to these things and do one or two of these, these uh, sort of zoomy things and see how that goes. And maybe I'll really get into it. But I'm also looking forward to eventually when I can just get back into a theatre and perform live to all the people, which is, you know, the most exciting thing, really. And that's ultimately nothing can, nothing can, um, make up the word, I can't the word, substitute for that. There's another word, a simple word that I've forgotten. <laughs> um, and, and in the meantime, there are other things we can all do, like just remembering what the priorities in life are, mm. slowing down, thinking about money, and is it really that important, and how are there things in the past we've maybe spent too much time worrying about, we should have spent less time worrying about and I think when we come out of all this, I'm sure we will all have different, uh, you know, different perspectives, perspectives you know, on, on life. So, mm. uh, but yes, with, with, with that caveat, yes, I'm going to do a few of these, these things uh, where you do the live Zoom and things like that and things like this. Uh, How uh, would you would you be doing the show that you was going to take on tour this year? Are you going to keep that on oh, on, on so. I hope it's to be doing it in the autumn. Um, I've already sold lots of tickets for it. Um, and I hope it will happen in the autumn. But we just don't know, of course. Um, so I hope so. <laughs> Otherwise, I might not perform until the new year. <laughs> now it's ended up more greener than I'd wanted. I still want it yellower and it's ended up greener. So I have to add more yellow. <laughs> Do you find comedy can be like painting? When it all comes together, these different parts and it all comes together. Oh, I guess it can be, yes. And also, this is the opposite to a normal interview. In a normal interview, as I've said, sometimes I have to find something to do because the interview is so boring that I need something in the background. Here, this is staggeringly boring, mixing this. Yeah, I keep adding more yellow and it's not going yellow enough. But luckily, I've got the interview to sort of um, keep me going. So if, it hadn't, if I wasn't doing this interview, I'd probably be having a nervous breakdown at this point. <laughs> if I wanted to go more yellow. 
the more yellow I put in, the greener it seems to turn up. Very annoying. And there's only a tiny amount of blue in, in there. So it shouldn't be going this green. Anyway, never mind, never mind. How would you say that uh, stand-up has changed from when you first got into it to where it is now? Well, totally different. Uh, now, people are often looking for something more unusual, the sort of uh, weird comedy like I do, the surreal comedy. When I started off, no one wanted anything like that. Everyone wanted the safest sort of um, club comedy. And uh, I was always the, the middle act. Um, when I was starting off, it would usually be, there'd be an opening, of course, compare, then an opening 20. And then I would, then the compare go back on. Then I'd go on for 10 minutes where I could do the least damage. And then a 20-minute <laughs> act to mop things up. And then obviously the closer. And, and so things have hugely evolved uh, to the point where now, of course, people really want the unusual and surreal comedy. And a lot of people are bored of just hearing the same old thing. And uh, of course, the subsequent, because of all this, the, the, the theatre world is, uh, the, the sort of live touring and theatre world is becoming much uh, bigger and the comedy clubs are becoming much smaller. Uh, because people want less of that. Of course, uh, the uh, wonderful thing is for me that despite the fact people want more weird stuff and there's more people doing weird stuff, fortunately, hardly any of them doing stuff as weird as me. <laughs> so I still have my, uh, my niche, as it were. Uh, yes, it has changed so much. And I think um, uh, it's like the zeitgeist has changed. And when I started off, uh, it was so difficult really and I remember people would say to me just keep going until um you become fashionable and I did and I kept going until I became more fashionable. Did you have your own audience then? No not at the start at the start it was just going around comedy clubs and people just saying oh shit mate <laughs> and then um uh, then maybe 10 50 more probably more like 15 years ago I started to um Yellow enough for me now. You can't quite see with the light there, but it is getting yellower. Um, I started to um, sort of hand out things to people saying, oh, uh, if you enjoyed my comedy, uh, you know, you can join my society and I've got shows. So I started to put on shows people liked it. And I would go around after a club audience and it would be 50-50. Some people would say, oh, thank you. I'd really like to um, join your thing and come to a show and other people say you're a shit mate i don't want to take your thing but I, of course you know your um leaflet because i wasn't interested in the people who didn't like it didn't matter to me it was only the people who liked it and then the people who liked it that was great because they would come to my shows and then what would happen in the early stages of my career is that it would be 50 50 in the audience some of them would love it some of them hated it and the people who hated it would spoil it for the people who loved it mm. but then i had an audience and they all loved it. And suddenly the whole dynamic changed. So, yeah, that was the sort of turning point. It was sort of tapping into, the, into that, you know, that, um, uh, that uh, um, you know, tapping into the people who really loved it. That made a big difference. Did you still know you were on to something at that time before that whole audience were with you? Uh, sort of. Uh, but I think... Um, I mean, I remember one time someone saying to me, um, 
you know, why are you carrying on, Paul? It's going so badly. And I, I, I think I just, um, my joke answer is I say I'm a very un unimaginative person. So I couldn't think of anything else to do. And there is a sort of truth to that. I sort of couldn't think of anything. I just thought, well, I must carry on being a comedian and just doing this. And I always thought it's always one gig too early to give up. I always thought I'll do another one and then I can give up after. And then I'll do another one. And I just carried on like that. And um, uh, also, I think, you know, I mean, um, looking back, in fact, I'm not looking back, but I know now that I was, it all sounds silly this, but I was suffering real mental health difficulties, which are now treated medically and I'm all fine. But I do wonder whether if I hadn't had those difficulties, which had terrible effects on, on my, not on my, me on stage, but on my, who I was and my self-esteem self and my psyche, I wonder whether if I had been a bit more normal in inverted commas and a bit more, I wonder whether I would have carried on because I think if I hadn't been so ill, I probably would have just thought, you know, don't keep doing this to yourself, Paul. But actually, in a strange way, um, so yes, um, I think that actually helped me to, that was the reason I carried on. So in a, in a weird way, that was a great blessing, even though it was difficult times, and I'm glad those times are over now. Uh, that actually is what kept me doing it, really. Would you say was salvation in a sort of way, the performing side of it was? I don't think so. That would be wrong to, to think that. Uh, I've always said from the start that performing is not a, it's not a, a um, therapy from the very beginning of when I first performed 23 years ago, 24 years ago. I said to myself, this is not a therapy. This is, I'm going to go and perform this as a job. And if I have problems in my life, in my real life, in my sort of real person, you know, then I have to deal with that separately. So performing has never been a therapy to me, but I suppose I'm making this slightly tangential point that because of the problems I had, the sort of mental health issues, it had the strange effect that even though a normal person would have given up, I just carried on. So it was never a therapy, but it did actually cause me to carry on. And I'm glad I did, of course. And then I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. How did you uh, get into it? <laughs> I got into it really at university of a chance. Just people said, oh, give it a go. And I thought, oh, I'll try it once to see what it's like. Um, and I just loved it so much. I just knew immediately that was going to be my career. So... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, um, it was sort of by chance in a way, as a lot of things are, I suppose. Um, and I suppose like a lot of things to do with performance, a lot of things to do with performance, there are sort of a, a mass of contradictions um, that uh, when one performs, on, you know, on stage, you're giving everything, but you're also not making any effort all at once. You really care, of course, as a performer, but you also don't care. And and I suppose as a performer, um, I suppose 
I'm a very, I'm a, I am a natural performer in a way, of course, but I'm also not a natural performer. So who knows whether I would have discovered that if it wasn't for the chance that I just started doing it. <laughs> you can see the yellow on your hands. It's definitely yellow on your hands. Yeah. Yes, I, have, I don't have any of the toxic um, paints. Some paints are toxic. Well, I don't use any of those because I think life's too short to be sticking a load of cobalt and cadmium all over myself. So I that is a crazy that. angle. Is that your bedspread? Uh, that's a sort of like a, yeah, that's the, that's the duvet and that's a bedspread I put over to stop paints getting on it when I'm doing my <laughs> painting. And see, what I'm doing now is angling it down so that I can start to add the paint to my picture. Ah. Well, speaking, you see. We're going to get to see it as well. This is cool. This is cool. This is, this is interactive. I like it. Immersive. Yeah, so. Yes. So uh, adding some of these bits in while it's still wet. Do you see the influence that you've had on a new generation of comedians? Uh, but, I mean, people have said there's an in, people, I have influenced some people. I don't get bogged down in all that, really. I just go and do my thing. Um, I know one time, years ago, I was at some comedy club and then one of the acts went on and it was like a, it was like a new act night so they weren't expecting me to be there but i was there because a friend of mine was performing and then the one of the acts some thought said oh i'm i'm gonna do a joke but i'm gonna stand a bit to the left no i'm gonna do it a bit more to the middle of this stage it was just like the sort of thing i would do <laughs> not see heavily influenced and the next performer went on and then i think they were a bit aghast when they saw that i was actually in the audience <laughs> so yes i think there have been some people influenced but um I don't worry about that really. Um, you know, I just um, I just uh, do my own thing. And the thing to remember is, um, is a lot of people say when I do these press interviews and things, they say, "Oh, you've got an unusual style," and blah blah blah. But I never um, planned to be unusual. When I started, I just did the comedy that to me was the most the most obvious the most uh, just a sort of comedy that to me was the sort of comedy that I would want to do if I was watching comedy, if I was a, an audience member. Um, so certainly my comedy is the, yeah, certainly it's the comedy I want to go and watch if I were an audience. So um, I never, I'd never planned to be unusual or surreal or original or anything like that. In fact, they do say that if you try to be original, you're not being, you know, not being original. So you just want just doesn't want to analyse these things too much because it would mm. drive myself mad. But one just sort of does some, does one's thing, you know. And do you, who, which of the sort of comedians as you were coming through um, inspired you at that time? No one. Uh, and um, I know that's not a silly answer, but no, I was never one into comedy. When I started doing comedy, my first ever gig, I'd never even watched stand-up comedy. I didn't even understand the genre. I didn't, I didn't even, when I did my first ever gig, I didn't even understand that you're supposed to basically sort of prepare some sort of material. So I just went on and sort of said, well, can anyone name a fruit? And then just talked about fruit. And just <laughs> improvised of what they were saying. So when I started um, properly later, no, I was never really influenced by anyone or really that bothered by anyone, really. I just did my own thing. 
I, I, there was no one who sort of inspired me. Um, I've always been into classical music, so the people who inspire me are like the classical composers, and I sort of be inspired by them and think, well, they all live mad lives and sort of somehow managed to create stuff, so I'll carry on like that. They were the people who inspired me. Um, and there aren't that many. I mean, even now, I mean, I'm not really... If I were not a comedian, I don't think I'd be going to as much comedy. If I were not a comedian, I'd want to go and see myself. I'd be the, my favourite comedian, and that's because <laughs> the sort of comedy I do is my favourite sort of comedy. And there were a few other... I have actually thought to myself recently, I thought I am going to rediscover the joy of seeing stand-up comedy as an audience member. I mean, there's... I don't necessarily like a lot of stand-up comedy, but I do like um, Simon Munnery. I love his comedy. Tim Vine, I love yeah. it. And uh, so I thought I might just go and watch, you know, just buy a ticket, you know, and just go and watch it, just like an audience member, not analysing it. As it happens, um, we're sort of in the mutual fan clubs because Tim Vine is a big fan of my comedy and Simon Munnery is as well. And Simon Munnery came to see a show of mine a few months ago and I asked him afterwards and he said he didn't... He said he did sometimes analyse things and sort of think, oh, uh, yes, that's interesting and I would do it a bit more like this or blah, blah, blah. But he said most of the time he just watched it and just enjoyed it as an audience member. So I think I would like to go and do a bit of that um, once all the lockdown's over. Just go and enjoy some comedy of people I really like. Do you um, think you find it hard not to analyse just because subconsciously you're looking at the art form that you do and how other people do it? Maybe, but I think I've become more, um, more, uh, um, more um, sort of, uh, what's the word? I don't know, uh, more, I'm pretty confident in myself now. Mm. So I think I, I'm confident in what I'm doing and what I'm working on. You don't need to be comparing or, you know, no, you know so where I you're think, at. You've got your voice and your, your style yeah. down. So I think I would just go and enjoy it, which would be a real joy, real fun, actually, um, to do that from time to time. Um, and just, yeah, it doesn't matter what they're doing and whether I would have done it. And they are different sort of comedians anyway. I mean, you know, so just, uh, you just start going and enjoy it. Yeah, that would be really fun. I tell you um, who is standing out for me at the moment is James Acaster. I really love the way that he's um, switching up the the norm. I don't know if you've seen his uh, stand-up specials on Netflix, but he I does four no. separates. And they I haven't all, got like, Netflix. In you've fact, not got Netflix? I haven't got a computer. Well, I have got a computer, but it's not actually working at the moment. And uh, I haven't even got television. So uh, I'm a bit out of the... You can get it on your phone. Well, I could do, eh? I'm not going to bother. Because I, all I do is listen to a J.S. Bach all day. <laughs> People always say that. Oh, we get it. Oh, we can watch. But I'm not. I don't, I don't miss the television. I never watch it. But yeah, I would. Yeah, I, James A. Castle, yeah, he's got great comedy. That's good to know that he's doing exciting stuff now. I mean, not that he wasn't doing it before, but good to know he's doing that. He seems that. like he's really found his, himself. He, 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 what I tend to uh, notice is when you get to a certain level, it's almost like the material that got you to that level 
you've got a shelf life with that and can you develop and where do you want to develop as a performer? And it feels like he's really grown into where he wants to take it and no one else is taking it where he has. Well, that's good. That's what one... Oh, Christ, don't tell me I've got a yellow on there. <laughs> oh, no. I've got a yellow on there. Last. I really could have done without that. Yeah, so... um. Because that is my, I was thinking that, yes, it's just perfect, that bit. But anyway, I'll, I'll sort that out later. Uh, I'll work, I can work it. It's only a little bit. I'll work out a way to do that. What a buggering nuisance. No, what was the question? Uh, uh, no, we just got about uh, James Acaster and the direction that he's taking his comedy. And he's, if you, you know, you're looking to go out and watch performers when uh, the lockdown's lifted, definitely make uh, a note to go try catch him because he's really... I feel he's one of the most exciting people out there at the moment. Oh, good. Well, I'll go and have a look. Yes. How do um, you deal with um, tour life? Oh, I love it. Uh, it's quite hard work and not as glamorous as people maybe think it is, but it's great fun. Going all around the country, uh, lots of travel, which I enjoy. And um, I make an active... Um, can't think of the word, but uh, effort to enjoy everything to do with my career. I think, well, I'm doing it. There's no point. What's the point of doing a job that involves a lot of travelling? Oh, I'm fed up with travelling. You've just <laughs> got to just enjoy it. You know, if there is anything that you find a bit, sometimes a bit difficult, just make an effort to enjoy it. So, yes, I enjoy all that. And I enjoy doing the gigs, of course. And then, uh, and then it's fantastic to then... Uh, meet the people afterwards and every place is a new new audience and new people and um, sometimes it's a bit of a party after the show and sometimes it's a bit quiet and you never know what's going to be uh, what's going to happen um, and it's yeah it's great it's a great life it's the life of chosen you are very personal with your audience at the end of a gig yes well I like to meet the audience I think it's nice and uh, I like to meet them. I think it's nice, you know. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I always do my meet and greet with the audience after the show. And uh, one of the best tips I ever got from you had nothing to do with comedy. You were the one who told me that on a weekend train tickets you can upgrade to first class for a tenner. Yes, you often can. The best journey I had, actually, I expect you're in Leeds at the moment, and the best journey I had was actually from Leeds once. And it was a late a journey in the evening back to London. And uh, I bought a second-class ticket because I thought, well, I can always upgrade because it's a Sunday night, you see. And then uh, it was... Um, so I got on. And when I got on, I thought, well, I shouldn't be telling this because we're giving away secrets. But anyway, <laughs> uh, as I got on, it looked very busy in first in economy class, you know. So I thought, I don't want to go economy class. So I went in first class. And then I said, can I buy an upgrade? And he said, yeah, of course you can. I'll be through later to sort that out, you know, 25 quid. I thought it's worth paying. It was 25 quid for a longer journey. I thought it's worth it because, because it was a long journey. And um, anyway, they were coming through. I was the only person in the whole carriage and uh, no alcohol being weekend, but it was all, um, you know, sandwiches and crisps and uh, more apple juice, sir, and all that. And I thought, oh, this is good. Uh, anyway, then the train sort of broke down and got stuck or something and there was some big problem with the train so anyway to cut a long story short he 
the man completely forgot about charging me the 25 quid because, you know, that was all just, there was this big crisis with some signal failure or something. Anyway, I was quite all right. I was just in first class sitting there relaxing. And then, um, and then we eventually got into uh, Euston late. Um, and, uh, and then they um, laid on taxis for us. And because I was going to go and see a friend in southwest London, uh, I didn't even have to get this tube. I just had a free taxi to take me there. And because I was first class, I was one of the first people off. And they like gave the first class people like were the first people into the taxi. And not only that, but I got like £8.30 or whatever my cost of my original ticket was. I got that back because we were more than <laughs> one hour delay or whatever it was. So I actually got a free journey. That was the best one. That's amazing. That's the stars aligning sort of stuff, that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yes, yeah, so you get the upgrade, yes, travelling around the country. Well, Paul, we've been chatting for uh, 45 minutes. 45 minutes? That's a, that's a good stint, that, my brother. doesn't feel like 45 minutes. It feels like, well, 43 minutes. <laughs> And two two minutes of those were trying to get you onto onto the actual chat. And two minutes of that was me being by my phone and you not calling it and <laughs> realising that there must be something else to it than the calling. <laughs> Do you want to uh, let people know again um, where we can find a few more details about oh, you? Oh, yes. Your I'd zoo. like to say to people um, that I've got... Um, I've got... Uh, uh, the McCanfleth Comedy Festival coming up next week. That's cancelled. I've also got um, the Wells Comedy Festival coming up next month. That's cancelled. <laughs> I'd also would like to ask people if they'd like to come and see me at Glastonbury Festival in June. That's cancelled. I've got a show in the Edinburgh Festival, Swan Power, my new show in the Edinburgh Festival. That's cancelled. I've also, um, I'm doing a, um, a tour around the UK in the autumn uh, of my new show, Swan Power. It might be cancelled. So if any of those cancelled or possibly cancelled events are of interest to people, please get in touch. Thank you. What about your Zoom? <laughs> So I'm also doing a show on Zoom, but I don't know any details of who it's for or anything. It's all, it's all, I don't know details. It's, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. It'll be online or something. And then I'll probably do one of my own to, to the, you know, connoisseurs, the people in my, in my sort of fan club on Zoom at some stage. And I can do art. If you want to commission me to do an art piece, I can do one. It only costs, you know, quite a lot of money. But if, if you've got, you know, hundreds or thousands of pounds, you know, if you've got several hundred pounds or maybe a thousand pounds or a bit more to spare. And some uh, yellow. Maybe, yeah, maybe you're getting that money from the furloughing or that other money from the self-employed thing and it's like too much. And you think, I've got too much money. You can always commission me to an artwork. And um, yeah, that, that's the, I'm on the social media. You can see me on social media, I do that. And um, you can also, if you want, visit me at my house. I'm not busy. I mean, there's no, I haven't got any other visitors. I know you can't come. You can't go, 
you can only like speak to me from the driveway for the social distancing, but you could come and speak to me at the driveway. Why not? Uh, speak to me for a few minutes at the driveway. Um, very welcome to. And um, uh, yeah, I mean that's some. That's that's what I wanted to say to people. <laughs> me. Can we see your uh, piece of work? Uh, and then it's only halfway through. And then obviously you'll be able to post up the finished piece, but we'd have got a sneak peek. Uh, I think it's yeah. That's it is yellow. Of... To be fair, it is mustard. It didn't quite look in the plate. In the plate. Yeah, that's that's. It's all halfway through because I haven't finished. That's a commissioned piece. Someone's commissioned that piece, and uh, uh, I've been. It's taking a while to do it, but I'm near the end now. Well, not near the end, but only a few more days, I think. Can we see the bed sheet? Yes, you can see the bed sheet. Um, do you know what, actually, if you've got another two minutes, could we see the bed sheet and then could you show us your three favourite jackets? Uh, you yes. are, you, I, I love my jackets, but you've got some incredible jackets. This is the bed sheet. This is the thing. For, that's the bed sheet. All nice colours, and there's the flamingo that goes with it. <laughs> and then uh, you can see some of my jackets in here. This one, I can't touch them because I've got paint all over my hands. There's this one with a. Yeah, you love that black one. That That's one. on the piglet. This one, the black the with white piping. Cover. And there's another one with white piping. And this one is a bit, um, it's got bits cut out of it. It's a bit Robin Hood. And this is a nice one, it's sort of gold colour. And this is one I've never worn yet. And this is a nice blue one that's 20 years old, but one of my favorites is a very beautiful soft leather. And that's a silver one. So yeah, those are some of my jackets. The famous but silver one. Skeleton. <laughs> Inflatable skeleton, vital. Perfect. Well, brother, Thank you so much for your time. Honestly, the, you, you've always given me a lot of time. And uh, as a comedy hero, to be able to reach out and have you on board uh, is, is incredible. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> really? Generally. <laughs> I've enjoyed the... I don't know what it is. It's not a podcast. I've no idea. I don't even know what genre. It, it wasn't... In, I don't know what it was. But anyway, whatever it was... Whatever the, the thing we've just done is, whatever genre that is, I've enjoyed it. That's why I'm whirling round and round like a whirling dervish. <laughs> Paul, thank you so much. And um, when we are allowed let back out in lockdown and your tours aren't cancelled, I'll definitely be at a show. And who knows, maybe one day a warm-up act for you. That's the dream. Oh, that is yes. the dream. Oh, thank you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Foot. <laughs> there you are. Thank you for tuning in and checking out. Uh, Paul Foot is uh, an icon to me, one of my favourite comedians, inspires me with my stand up material.
Uh, so why I wanted to go down the sort of path with the questioning that I did was just to get a bit more of an insight into who he is as a person, uh, well, the background into why he took up stand-up. And, you know, I was very fortunate in the chat, as you experienced, that he was very honest and open and heartfelt to discuss some of the details that he did and go into a bit more as he did and obviously still in a poor foot sort of way. So that's incredible. Uh, thank you uh, for tuning in. If you wanted to know what this is, this is Loose Lips. What Loose Lips is, is a Good Vibes Only chat show. I do every Monday and every Wednesday. Add me at Ben Random. Every time it's completely different walk of life, people coming on, looking to inspire and just get lost in their world for a few moments. So to take your mind away from this predicament, but uh, stay safe, stay cool, stay indoors. We will get through this together and overcome it as one. Peace and light to you and yours. Stay cool. Stay blessed. Yeah.